Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Sam Cully of the legendary Diplomats and the Skull Snaps. Now, you may be asking yourself, who is the Skull Snaps? Who is the Diplomats? And that's a valid question. Um, the Skull Snaps and Diplomats have been sampled heavily. So really, if you've heard of this song... Uh-oh. Here we go. What? Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm a rapper now. Uh. Yeah. That's all you gotta do. No, I didn't. That's rude. Or if you've heard this song... Right, let me just fast forward a little. There you go. Mob Deep. Love them. Love them, gents. How about this song? Oh, how about this song? I love, I love ODB. So if you've heard those songs Oh, I guess this one too Apparently So Those songs all have Origins of this song right here Which is the best version So this is the Skull Snaps And the Skull Snaps Hold the record for being the most Sampled um, band ever and they've only had one album which is amazing like how did that even happen they just did one album which the album is amazing it's just like this funky ass like conscious of the times record and they just have gotten sampled the shit out of so this show is heavily 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 based on um, copyright infringement uh, Sam is a big, um, he, well, Sam for the last, you know, however many years that he, he's found out that his music has been being sampled, has been on a crusade to get his money. Now, um, I'm not a sample artist. I like to build my own beats, uh, but I do respect people who do sample and, but I also respect people who sample and, uh, give credit to where credit is due uh like the beastie boys is the classic example of um a band or a hip-hop group that sampled and they got their ass torn up in court and litigation over copyright infringement so uh sam has been on this crusade for years now and his stuff has been sampled by Alicia Keys, Mob Deep, which you guys heard, DJ Shadow, which, let me play a little DJ Shadow. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. So DJ Shadow, so he just bit directly from this Skull Snap song, which has a drum break right here, which, you know, I kind of hit the end of that, but you guys get the idea. Um, the Prodigy has sampled them. Um, let me see. Who else? I mean, just It's a New Day has been sampled so many times. Um, Black Moon. Common. I played a little Common. Linkin Park. Uh, Lords of the Underground. 
Gym Class Heroes, I played a little bit of that. Um, ODB played a little of that one. So, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Ice T. Hmm, I just saw that. So, uh, you know, on this episode, we kind of go over the point of copyright infringement a lot. And so it gets a little redundant. So pardon me on that. Um, but it's a good interview and it's a great retrospect on Sam's life and what he's been doing, um, you know, his music career and what he's been doing lately. Uh, he still makes music. You can go to, if you have Spotify, he has, um, more music. If you just look skull snaps, um, on Spotify, there's a whole section there for Sam. Um, uh, he released some more music. Um, I'm sorry. I sound a little scratchy. I have had a horrible flu. It, I mean, just terrible. I don't know if I have flu or bronchitis. I'm just looped out on Robitussin right now. Um, I, I downed a bunch of it before I did this, so I didn't sound horrid. I was literally recording. I was like, and, uh, the skull snaps were like, you know, they're legendary and stuff, and the diplomats. <laughs> so I decided to go down a bunch of Robitussin, which now I have to say I feel pretty good, and I remember now why I used to abuse this stuff in my younger years. That's horrible. Um, anyways, I have been off work and uh, I'm not making any money. My Christmas, which Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope your Christmas was wonderful and I hope you guys are going to have a safe and, and happy new year. Just want to throw that out there before I forget. Um, I met Sam through Terry Cole. When I did Cole, my, uh, when I went down to Cincinnati to uh, do the Terry Cole podcast, Terry um, was nice enough to give me Sam's number, and um, he he uh, hooked us up. And uh, Sam was so polite and so giving with his time, and he invited me into his home. So I went back down to Cincinnati, to his little city out there, out on the outskirts, and um, we did a, a wonderful interview, which is going to come up very soon if I get done rambling anytime soon. So that's how we met and that's that's where this is going. Wow. Anyways, write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. I did get an email from a guy named Ashu and he asked me if I still make beats and I said yes. And then uh he sent me a link and to a guy and said um uh, uh, do you think you can do anything with this guy and it was a british rapper and um unfortunately uh, if you guys have been following along uh, all my equipment is in san diego so i have not really been able to do music uh, the way i want to because my studio and everything well i tore my studio down in san diego and uh, all my stuff is in storage, so I really can't do anything. So, Ash, thank you so much for writing the show. Um, I told him, uh, like I said, I'll once I get my stuff up and operational, I will definitely, you know, be willing and down to work with artists who want beats, which I don't really pay, play a whole lot of my beats. All the beats that I do play on this are 
either joke beats or just those shitty 80s beats that I just kind of have fun throwing together because it's fun to make shitty 80s beats. Um, anyways, write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. Check out the website, WeSpeakEnglishGood.net. And um, that's it for now. So again, for the millionth time, I'm going to play some songs by Sam and company at the end of the podcast since I did not give an uh, intro cutaway thing in during the interview. So without any further ado, Mr. Sam Cully. Yeah, so you gotta uh, keep. You know, I don't, I don't like to fool around. That's why. Well, that's why I. It's just myself and the engineer, yeah. and up in in King Connecticut. So he knows what I like, and I'm able to tell him what I want. Plus, it, when it leaves here, it's not really bad at all. Yeah. So he really doesn't have a lot to do. You know? That's the best thing to do. Is uh, that was when I was learning how to do engineering work for studios. Yeah. Like that was the whole thing. It was like make it so you don't have to um, do the the mixer shouldn't have to do that much to just it. Just enhance what you yeah, did. Like yeah, exactly. Just enhance. It's there what to you enhance, did. not there to fix. To turn it around and change yeah. it to the way they want it. No, no. Um, with technology, do you? Um, do you see uh, a decline in musicianship with this younger generation since the technology kind of allows musicians to sort of, you know, because well, you can fix it in post now. You don't have to play it yeah. perfectly. Yeah. We're not doing well, it. it, it uh, um, the, the whole era that I came from, yeah. I got a chance to experience doing it live. Yeah. So when it comes to electronics, I know exactly how it's supposed to sound. Yeah. You know, I know what instrumentation is supposed to sound like, what it's supposed to sound like as a group, and all of that. So uh, this generation, they don't know that. Yeah. They they don't get a chance to play in nightclubs and, <laughs> and check the things with the people, you know, and right. see how they react to it. They don't get none of that, man. So that, that is, is vital. That's why I always tell hip-hop people, man, you guys need to talk to the old-timers so you can understand what, what this really is and know what the next step is going to be, what right. the next phase is going to be. I mean, I feel sorry for a guy, you know, I call him one-finger guy, <laughs> and that is about... You know, you got the drum machine, you got this, and, but they, what they don't realize is that it all sounds alike. I yeah, I, I it agree all with sounds that. alike. I mean, it's sick, so there's no creativity. Everything is done by this, and then when they sampling, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. It's very simple. If if you're a musician, yeah, you you see a sample that you like, you copy it. Now it's no longer a sample. Yeah, exactly. And you got less headaches and all of that. Yeah, know? that's that's the one thing. I was just talking to this cat. Um, his name is uh, T Money Green. He was the bass player for the, I the Dramatics. Have you ever heard of the Dramatics? Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of shows with them in the Oh, Apollo. okay. Yeah. So you probably ran into him. He he was by Tony Green. He um 
I talked to him. He lives up in Detroit, and he was telling me he was just like, yeah, I don't. He said the same thing. He was like, I don't understand why these young guys just grab these pieces of music. He's like, now you got to pay everybody. Everybody. You know, if they find out, of course. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's kind of where you're at. It's bound to happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's bound to get you. We come back and bite you. Um. So I'm sitting here with Sam Cully. He is um. He is from the legendary groups, the Diplomats, uh, the Skull Snaps, and I found out that All Directions, right? Is that All Directions? Um, Soul. Um, oh my God, what's the name? On of top that? of the records, on top of it. Yeah, so, and Soul Makusa. Makusa. Soul Makusa. So, which, I mean, those are all just. I mean, that's all just legendary uh, music. Um, so. Do you have a lineage of music that runs in your family, like growing well, up? Yeah, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, all of us are from Maryland. Okay. We're all from the Eastern Shore of Maryland. My uncle, I had an uncle who was a saxophonist. His name was uh, Frank Floyd Show Cully, okay. and that was the inspiration. All right. What did he, he play? He, huh? What did he play? He played saxophone. Oh, okay. Great saxophonist, had some hit records and stuff like that and I mean to me that was overwhelming you know as a kid I'm like wow I gotta do that um, now I'm just interested what um, now was he writing and composing and he was going under the name um, Frank Cully or yeah yeah what, he was writing that, that and composing he had, hit, he had hit records under his own name yeah was, Frank Frank Florsho Cully you, okay. you can I don't, pull I him don't up know, you, know, I, you can I'm pull him up he's, he's uh, I think he had one of his biggest records was named Coleslaw Cole I think it was Coleslaw he was name. a great guy I mean I got the opportunity to when I left home to come to New Jersey where he was I got a chance to play with him and I got a chance to bring my guys up as the diplomats, and we played with him, and um, it was it was it was a fantastic thing to see him, how he did. Man. This guy was unbelievable, you know. Back then, they had a lot of clubs. A lot of them would be door to door, you know, mm-hmm. right on the same block. Yeah. He used to play in one club and walk out and go all the way into another club and be playing his horn and the whole thing and come back and we still on the stage doing it. It was unbelievable, man. Yeah, He's a great entertainer. So so that was kind of your inspiration to start playing? To get, yeah. I mean, well, I started trying to play the keyboards at two years old oh, okay. and uh, self-taught, you know, taught myself how to play. And of course, I played in church and all of my... Um, um, my 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 family, they all sang and they all you know they were all talented that way. Okay, okay. So you you came up in the church and, yeah. and that's because you're a multi instrumentalist. Yeah. So because I played I played in a Baptist church a while ago and that for me uh, I always tell people that was boot camp for me. Yeah, like, it, it, is. it was it was just a kick in my ass because I had no idea. How complex that gospel can be. Yes, indeed. And so, um, you know, that's just my my generation of gospel. I, I couldn't imagine what it was yeah. in your time yeah. coming up in the church. It was it similar? Was there lots of chord changes? Lots of like oh, lots of chord changes. I mean, uh, and a lot of vocalizing. Mm-hmm. You see, um, that diplomat sound that you hear that came from. Uh, being in church it also came from us being in glee clubs in school yeah, okay. so that's why you have that 
that sound yeah, that you have. Layered vocals. Yeah, they're just harmonies. very strong and tight harmonies. Yeah. You know, so so that was that was it. I mean, most guys were out hanging out on a Saturday night. We would all be in a car somewhere trying to sing those close harmony things, you know. <laughs> and and it, it it really it really, really paid off once we got to be professional. Hmm. Because uh, you know, we came into the game not as dancers and all of that. We came as singers, period. And that's what we did. Now, when you guys were coming up as the Diplomats, um, was, it, was it always the Diplomats or was there a, a name before that? Or was name it? before that, surprisingly enough, was Tiny Tim and the Hits. Okay. Well, <laughs> Tiny Tim. I mean, like, I think of the guy with the ukulele. What I no, not him. Not him. <laughs> Tiny Tim and the Hits. They had a song called Wedding Bells and Doll Baby. This guy, uh, he, in fact, he just passed not long ago. He he sounded like Frankie Lyman. Oh, okay. And, and it, it, his history, he sounded so much like Frankie. And once he went pro, they called him Timothy Wilson. He ended up working with the teenagers, singing the lead for the teenagers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. That, that's what it was. For, I was a keyboard player. Oh, okay. So... After that, you know, a short stay with Uncle Sam, and I said, well, you know, I want to want to go pro. I pick my hand, pick my guy, and we came to New Jersey. Okay. And New Jersey, I I had a, a uncle in New York who uh, wanted us to come over and sing for this doctor, and this doctor, he, when he heard us, he said, man, this is unbelievable. He launched our career. Yeah, I mean, he took care of us like we were his own kids. Wow, so he was, like, funding, like, recording? Everything, man. And... Apartment, wow. clothes. He treated us like we were his own kids. We were grown men. Yeah. And he, his, his philosophy was, all I want you to do is get perfect at this. We didn't have to go work no place. We rehearsed twice a day. And, and, it, and it really, he said, well, you, what you, one of the things you have to do, you have to learn all kinds of music and be able to sing the standards, some of the things that Frank Sinatra did and people like that. And we were like, come on. Yeah, but it was proof it was it was a great experience yeah. because then we could do that. So once we started playing places like the Apollo and all the theaters and all of that and we're able to do that kind of stuff, you know. Our peers were like, "Oh my God, you know, yeah. where did these guys come from?" You know, and it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, so so that allowed you guys to really do the work, get tight oh, as yeah, a to unit, get really, really tight. I mean, it was it. I mean, it was really, really great. I mean, were you, now were you guys playing the instruments, or were you guys just strictly now first? Front? Diplomats were just singers, just singers. We were just singing. And then, what was the backing band? Like, how how did you do backing band? How did you like travel? Well, at that band? time, most of the bands were always at the club gotcha. that you were going to work in. Gotcha. So they what they had to do is you know was learn Learning your songs. Music. Yeah. So. Once disco started to come around, you know, and it was, it was like, oh, my God. It's it, it sort of like they sort of sort of pushed us to the side. Mm. We were right in that, that turnaround, so they sort of pushed us to the side. And so when that happened, we said, well, damn, we want to keep on doing it. So I played. Irvin played. 
and time play, you know. So we said, well, okay, we, we get some instruments and we start playing. I played keyboard, then I learned how to play bass. Okay. And that was the beginning of the transition into skull slabs. Okay, so you guys were, so you guys, uh, how much were you traveling as the diplomats and like what were you were releasing uh you weren't releasing full-length albums you were releasing singles how singles. was that we released it singles and uh we were sort of running that chitlin circuit okay which was from from new york to miami go out to chicago uh uh our first record here's a heart well that really was the first record we did unchained melody and uh, once we ran into guys like Van McCoy and we did uh, Here's a Heart, that was a big record for us and, uh, worldwide. And we, man, I mean, colleges and things like that. We so were, you're picking up steam. Yeah. And then the chilling circuit, you hear stories like um, you watch these documentaries was um, where there was a certain sense of violence um, that followed it only because you were working with club owners that didn't want to pay. So you have artists carrying guns. Where I'm not, I'm not trying to have you incriminate yourself, but I'm saying, where did you see that going through oh, the course. circuit? Of yeah. course. I mean, I've seen guys. <laughs> I can say it. I mean, a, a guys, uh, they put a record out. I think the name was the Jarmels. They put out a song called A Little Bit of Soap. We'll wash away that, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. I've seen these guys on stage pull pistols and shoot out of the audience. Oh my God. Because they're being hackled by oh. the guys because the girls are going crazy. And to keep them off them, that's what they had to do. I've been in situations where we were in a restaurant and uh, guys come in. Uh, uh, Restaurant only. He's got on a big apron. He's also got a nine millimeter in his, it is stuck down in his apron. I'm like, damn, what kind of <laughs> restaurant is this? But you know, I'm, I'm just here to eat, though. Right, you know? right, right. But we, we knew what the situations were, and we were like everybody else. Every one of us had a gun. Every one. Hey. And thank God we never had to use it. Yeah. You know, except for to sort of, you know. Make sure that yeah. nobody understood. Understood is not a good thing to mess around with the diplomats. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not a good thing. So don't. We didn't run that circuit. Uh -huh. You know, we we didn't hang in the bars and all of that. We didn't do that. You know, the manager wouldn't let us do. You stuff guys, like so that. you guys weren't partying or anything. You no, guys no, strict none business. of that. See, none of my guys. You know, so many of our peers, man, they. They got hung out on drugs. They got screwed up with alcohol. We had none of those problems. Yeah. So uh, uh, as the game went on, you know, um, no one had anything to hold over our head. There were no weaknesses, mm. you know, and uh, back in the day and still today, you had to have a weakness in order for a major company to take you on yeah. because they have to have some way to control you. Right. You know, so we didn't have that. We didn't have that going, you know what I mean? So they sort of pushed us over to the side. Uh, so here we are now in 2017 and they're just beginning to hear diplomat music. Yeah. 
And they're like overwhelmed. Where the hell was I when these guys was doing all of this? Right, right. But it was sort of pushed to the side because of disco music, you know. So it is, it's, it's, it, this is overwhelming for me. I was just like, wow. Uh, 40 years later, yeah, here it is. And I got from electronic stuff, I've done maybe two albums, one one for the Diplomats and one for Skull Snap. Then we're getting ready to come out with uh in 2018 and uh uh skull snaps <laughs> that was unbelievable skull snaps skull snaps has the most sampled breakbeat in hip-hop history yeah yeah that's uh that's crazy and and that's kind of uh yeah that's kind of the direction we're going here so when you guys when you guys um decided to go from diplomats to skull snaps what what like what made what made you um uh, what made you change names and start well, changing we were, things we up? Well, were, we were working in clubs and uh, doing little gigs, boat rides, and that kind of stuff, me and Irving. So we met this guy, George Braggs, on drums. He heard us play, and he said, man, I got to have y'all. He had a little group called Soul 3, I got to have y'all. I'm like, we went to a club that his group was supposed to play at a particular night. Yeah. And we got there early, and so he put us on stage with him. Right. And when his guys came in, they were like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but the people were going crazy. Skull Snaps was like one of the most magical things I've ever seen. Strange enough, we never rehearsed, man. <laughs> we never rehearsed. It was talk about it. Yeah. We were so tight musically and on time with each other we could talk about it and get on the job and do it okay like it wasn't was nothing so well uh um we we met lloyd price that was a you know a great thing for us and he heard us he was like man you guys you, you know I mean you just cracked my head with three people sounding like 10 yeah. that's unbelievable so that's how we came up with the name. You cracked my skull. That's what he said. All right, all right. And I said, well, damn, that sounds really crazy right there. <laughs> so we named it Skull Snaps. Yeah. And we did Skull Snaps. Oh, and, and then what What time period was this? Going from Diplomats to Skull Snaps. What, time? Yeah, like what What was it? Like it was the 70s, right? Early 70s? 70, that was 72, Okay, actually. And then right. we, we recorded the album in 73. Gotcha. And um, um, it was it, it was an amazing thing, man. I mean, we went in the studio. We got George Kerr uh, to produce it and bring some new songs with us. We had songs of our own. And uh, every every song on that album was done in one take. Oh, wow. One Every song on the Skull Snap album, one take, bang, 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 it's over. I mean, it it was it's so magic. It was just so magic. So, now that drum beat was something we did in person to, you know how you're, you're talking about the drum beat that everyone samples. Um, yeah, I'm on sorry. New Day. It's on. It's yeah. a New Day. Yeah, that drum beat that was something we used in person just to be tuning up. You know, yeah. the drummer would start playing, and then we would tune up, and then we would go to the next phase of our act. So we said, well, damn, man, we can't do this and not, not put our drum beat in it. Yeah. So we stuck it in. <laughs> when we stuck it, yeah. we just stuck the thing in like that. And 
it became phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you guys definitely captured some magic. I mean, it's interesting that you're saying that you guys just sort of talked it out. You didn't really even have to rehearse, that you guys had this camaraderie. Yeah, guys, it, it just I so... mean, when you work with a band or work with a group, because you were going in with Irving, and then the new guy was the drummer, right? Yeah. And so you guys already had a repertoire, and it, it, it's just... And he had a repertoire. Yeah. He, the drummer, was fantastic, man. Yeah. This guy could duplicate anybody. He, he could imitate anybody. Ella Fitzgerald, Ray Charles, anybody. He could do that. And with us being with him, being able to sing, we played well, and we all sang. Yeah. So when you heard us, it was like, ooh, damn and we did like horn parts yeah yeah with our mouths you know doing them like that oh wow and so that was crazy that that was for live performance live is live live it was it was unbelievable so that's that's what i was gonna ask you so because like the the album of the skull snaps album it it has like strings on it it has horns yeah when you guys went out to tour the album how did you guys accommodate that and i mean it seems like you were well it was it was we did the stuff um with the three pieces Mm. When we decided, okay, let's bring in an arranger and have him, you know, to drop some arrangements on the stuff. When he, when he heard us and heard what the album is, he said, man, all I can do is follow what you guys already done. Okay. He said, that's all I can do. He said, it, you got it so tight that it's, everything is really covered musically, but I just enhanced some of the things that you did. Okay. And that's what he did. I mean, he just listened to what we did and just went with us because he said, there's no way to get in between for arrangement because yeah. it's so damn tight. All right. And, you know? and that's what kind of makes it revolutionary, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, because you guys were adding strings on top of an already tight unit. That yeah, it was unreal, unreal, man. When we heard strings, it was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, and we were tight because we had to play. Because we had three pieces, we had to give you that, you know, that thing that strings are actually being played. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you could feel that, you know what I mean? Doing those nice strong ballads and funky stuff forget it i mean it was yeah. just really unreal what so what what sort of like made you guys want it because like you guys are coming from almost like a doo-wop um vocal heavy vocal harmonies yeah. to like a, a really funky style like yeah. what what really what was the catalyst to sort of like well that we weren't um um uh we weren't we were do what right right but we I'm weren't saying- do what we were you know and finally they have started to tell us to say what we were we were we were soul music artists. soul music Excuse it, it was really me. soul music okay. and so to to do that we did that every night so we said well i was very pushy about making an album i said if we make an album i want to do all types of music in an album which is something that was never done my um uh, uh my idol was was three dog night oh wow i love okay. those guys yeah. I, I mean i really love those guys i said i want to do the, the same approach to it and and that's that's what that's what we did you know and it just worked out so well so well for us you know because we were really really ready for it um 
people couldn't believe it when we came to the studio the engineer said yo where's the rest of the you know where's the rest of the people yeah no we said that's it this is it right here he said oh like oh man this is gonna be one crazy thing but once he heard it start to play it was like whoa whoa hold on let me make some changes hold on because because the studio was just being built Wires running all over, all over, and everything. It was unreal, man. But the album was just so, so tight, and so yeah, everybody responded to it. Then the company goes out of business, right on top of just releasing some album just to get a feel for it. it the album managed to make it to Europe. Oh, okay. The Europeans heard it and they were like, whoa. They are who made Scott Snaps. Gotcha. They made Scott Snaps huge. Every record on that album was a single and a hit record in Europe. And and how so I'm I'm curious on how if the albums were selling overseas how you guys didn't because you guys didn't really see any of those residuals, right? Like isn't that part of well, what's going on? Uh uh uh, a lot of it happened on, especially on record sales, because it would be a bootleg and exploited so damn right, much. Right, but like when it first came out, um, what I mean, like, did it sell well when it first came out? Like, no, what? when it first came out, it wasn't given a chance to do that. Gotcha. It was, it was started to be played on some of the major stations, and then the company went out of business. That's right. And what company was this? GSF. GSF. GSF okay. went out of business, and it was like, damn, right on top of our record? Are you kidding me? But it did, and it just happened to get to Europe. When it got to Europe, they began to like the album, and they kept pushing it and pushing gotcha. and it. And that's when the bootlegs were coming. That's when the bootlegs okay. started coming. I'm still talking. I was just, <laughs> I was just sending a, a, a text to Charlie Records. They've been, they've been selling Diplomat. I mean, Skull Snap records since the nineties. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Since the nineties, and like they didn't credit you. For and didn't right? pay. They have not paid one royalty. Now, how does how does that even happen? Like, where do they get the masters to do that? Like, how do they, you they, see? Okay, secret. There was no master. Yeah. So, so what happened to these tapes? What happened to these masters? No, tapes? no tapes. No tapes. These guys disappeared totally, totally disappeared. See, because you know, if they had tapes, you know how many different mixes you would have had off a of Skull Slap album. Right. Right. So that didn't exist, and all of these people have have claimed that they have the rights to Skull Slap uh, music. It's just a damn lie. They don't have the rights to Skull Slap music. And then, music. so, so who technically does? We do, along with 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 uh, 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 the people at Sugar Hill. Okay. Uh, we we uh, we ended up getting the copyright because uh, now is that is that affiliated with Sugar Hill Gang? No, well not Sugar Hill Gang, but Sugar Hill Records, okay. Sugar Hill, uh, uh, their company. Now um, Alicia Keys sampled Skull Snaps, and whoever had uh, uh, the people that had, had 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 constructed the deal. They were just about to go to collect half a million dollars, a quarter of a million dollars on on the sample. We happened to catch that. Oh. We caught that and reversed that action, you know, and and, and, and in doing that, we we were able to copyright the music and everything. Oh, okay. And and ended up being ours. And then what what was the process of of 
catching wind of that. And and well, it was just by mistake, man. Okay, it was by mistake. They were on their way within the next few days to go and get the check from Alicia Keys. We saw it and put a stop on everything. You know, quarter million dollars. Her her record, Girlfriends. That's what she used the sample on. Okay. And it was a big record. Yeah. And uh, they were about to go get the money. We just happened to just coincidentally, we we saw it. We stopped it. And we went on through with it. And they had to, you know, turn it over to us. In the meantime, we ended up getting the copyright and everything back. Okay. Because, uh, uh, you know. And then who was selling it? Who was selling it to Alicia? Jim, uh, like Marsh Levy. Marsh Levy. His son. Okay. And, um, uh, and then, okay. And then I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, like, how did they obtain the rights? Or they were just saying that they had the rights. Yeah. That's okay. All. So it, that's they, all they were doing. They was just saying it. And, like, we didn't know anything about this. Uh huh. We didn't know anything about it until much later that they were doing these things and uh, uh, people were, were the albums started selling so after a while they couldn't hide it. Mm. And once we were, see, because back then there wasn't this computer thing where you could just go online and bam, bam, bam and be in the way of the world you want. Right. So they don't, that only happened in big corporations where they had them, you know, so that didn't come to light to us. Yeah, but when it did, it was like, damn, wow, this is crazy. We ended up going to Europe uh, for a diplomat uh, uh, gig because diplomats were big there too. We were going there for that, and that's when we found out Scottsdale Records was just as big and getting bigger all the time. We actually went there, performed, had to do a quick change and come back and do skull snaps. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> it was unbelievable, man! I, and 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 people, you know, they, you know, people in Europe, you know how they are. They very, they want to make sure this is not no bullshit, you know. <laughs> yeah, they want to make sure this is the real people. Once they heard us sing and stuff like that, it's like, oh yeah, that's it. That's really them. So that it was crazy experience. I mean, it's still going on today. Skull Snap is still being sampled every day. That same damn beat is still being sampled. Yeah, I mean, just just recently this year, Wu Tang Clan. And- Wu Tang Wu Tang did Diplomats. Oh, they did the Diplomats. They right. did Action the Diplomats. They in, they in litigation right now. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I just talked to uh, our lawyers about them. And it's a serious thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it well, turns out real good. And, and like the Beastie Boys, right? Is that right? The Beastie Boys? And the Beasties, Beasties were one of the first to do them. Right. They were doing everybody. They were though. doing it. You know, I were, know. They were wrapped up in litigation for and, a long uh, See, all of these people, it's oh, it's up to 500 people that have done that. And these, <laughs> all of these people are hiding behind the Statue of Limitations. Mm. See, oh. That's what they're hiding behind. I... You see, I, I I have yet to be able to discuss it with our lawyers. You know, this is their way around that, especially when they're they're trying to hide it from you and things like that. I mean, changes it seems that same breakbeat was in Matrix. <laughs> the is that like the part where they're walking? Where the lady motion? with the red dress is walking? Okay. that's the part. Wow. So, 
So uh, that, you know, <laughs> that was amazing, you know, and they're standing behind, they're all standing behind the Statue of Limitations. That's weird. I, I didn't know that it applied to music rights or... Um... Yeah. Yeah, after, after a certain amount of time, then you can't go back and do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a big fight because uh, we started to do that with uh, uh, Matrix. And I mean, oh, the deeper you dig into it, the more illegal these guys become. I'm well, like, and, that, and that's the crazy thing when you're going up against like a big movie company, a yeah. movie studio. They have millions of dollars to throw at lawyers. Yeah, where well, they're throwing, could, it, they're throwing it at the fucking lawyers, yeah. but they're not throwing it at us. Right, well, that's the <laughs> that's thing. The they're, they're, thing. Fighting, they're hiring lawyers just to, f they're spending more money on lawyers yeah. than it would be just it's to give you your piece. Yeah. I mean, it's simple, but that's that. That's the industry. That's how the industry thinks, you know. And you know, so when rap came along and these guys had their own labels, that's what got them kind of getting real crazy because they cut down on the money that they were making. Yeah, and rap is making billions of dollars, man. Yeah, totally billions of dollars. So you know, them sampling us, and they're just sort of. <laughs> <laughs> They're just sort of uh, waking up to diplom <coughs> to diplomats. It's a great thing, man. Yeah. We got so much stuff that they can sample. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's great music. So <coughs> when um, what? So going past the skull snaps, what? I mean, like, because then you have a whole nother career as all directions. Like, what? What prompted all directions? That? What happened when? Uh, Bobby Robinson. Because brought, that was a big song, so yeah, it was keep, a big song. I can never uh, get the uh, name. Mono the Bango did the song. Yeah, he. They brought it. <coughs> it was brought to the U.S. by um, uh, this little guy had a record shop on 125th Street. Bobby Robinson. Is that they Harlem? brought the record. Bobby Robinson. No, is that in Harlem? In Harlem. Okay. Right down the street from the Apollo. Gotcha. He had a little record shop. You know, okay. he brought this record. This record started skying. So. People from uh, 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 um, uh, what's the company? Um, mm, Buddha, Buddha Records approached us, because they knew that we were quick and we were instrumentalists and singers at the same time. So yeah. <coughs> they approached us about doing it. So we said, "Hey man, we can't do that shit. I mean, we still sign." To GSF, you know, uh -huh. they said, "Well, we're doing it under another name." Oh, okay, so you just like all directions. So that's what we did. I said, "Okay," when we did it, we did it. At one one day that night, it was mastered. The next day, it was on the market. Did I think something like thirty five thousand in no time, and uh, 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 we had a song to go on the side on the back of it called "On Top of It." And um, which is <laughs> here we are years later. That's beginning to be a phenomenal record. Yeah. I just I just heard from people from Europe wants to re-release the, the B side to Soul Makosa. Oh, sweet! But so, I mean, so we were, did. Did you guys write it or was it? Mano de Bango. He wrote it. Was Mano de Bango who wrote it? And and, and you guys and, were just the yeah. backing band. Yeah, I was. I no. No, no, where were you no. guys? We, we, um, I was um, friends with Al G, who was a um, 
disc jockey and Al Rosenstein, who had this group called Mother Night, and we were in business together. So I met this guy named Johnny Secker. Okay. Johnny Secker was the African guy. Uh, he knew Mama Dabango. Ah, uh, okay. He knew him personally. So we sent him to Paris to find Mono and, and maybe we signed him to a contract. Okay. He went to Paris to sign Mono de Mango. When he got to the hotel, he, they were coming downstairs with Ahmed Erdogan and them from Atlantic Records. Oh, all right. And uh, the people at Atlantic Records paid this guy 50000 for everything he had. Oh. And the record had done so triple that, you know. He But he didn't believe that it was a hit record because it was just something that he did. So Makusa, Mama Cool, Mama Sa. You know, it was just something that he did. He right, was a right. jazz artist. Right, you right, know? right. We went to to the uh, um, uh, to find out what this guy was saying. We had to go find Africans. We went to the UN and found some African guys from his country to tell us what the hell is this guy saying? <laughs> what is he saying on on these you know Umudiye and all that? Find out what he's saying. He said, "Well, yeah, he's just talking about." Of music and, and dancing and la da 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 da. So okay, where are we going with this, right? You know, and we did it. And George pretty much could sound just like him, and that was that was the whole trip with with, with all directions. Okay, that you know what I mean. So it that was just that one record. Oh, okay. So you guys just released a, a, a B side, a side and a B side. Yeah, and that that's it. Because they wanted they wanted to cover the record. Got you. So you were just putting the album out. You you didn't have anything to do with the production or anything. No, we, oh, uh, we produced the, the oh, song. Oh, you Kusa. produced it. Okay, okay. The, the one that we put out, we put out, we produced that one. Ah, boom, I got boom, you. Because then there's night. another one out, right? That, so the original Soul Makusa was done by Mon the Bangle. Gotcha. Okay, okay. And uh, 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 we also did. Things with uh 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 um what's this guy's name? <laughs> um, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the guy that uh, in his show he he brought a casket on stage and he raised up out of that casket. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I can't think of the guy's name right now. But we did stuff with him. We had a, a uh, a song called Africa's Gone Funky. Oh, okay. And we did the music for this guy. Okay. And and uh, we did a lot of things like that, you know. Um, oh, Screaming Jay Hawkins? Yes, sir. That's, That's who it is? Name. Screaming Jay. Okay. We, we did the music for Africa's Gone Funky. You can, you can see it on, on, on okay. YouTube and everything. You see, I... Um, when I was a kid down in Maryland, we used to, I used to go out to the highway and just watch, I mean, hell, it wasn't nothing else to do. You go out to the highway, watch the, car, <laughs> watch the cars go by on the highway. So I saw the Lloyd Price tour bus go by. Oh, okay. And me and my friends, you know, I said, damn, guys, one of these days I'm gonna be on that bus. They talk about, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, 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 and strange enough, that happened. We became friends. I became friends with Lloyd Price. I played in his band. I produced the album on him, and uh, 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 
it was unreal to be able to do that. And uh, we were, we lived in Queens in Ashley Park. All the big entertainers, James Brown, Count Basie, uh, Brooke Benton, all of these guys lived in a little section. And I used to walk through that section. And one day I walked to uh, 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 Count Basie's house, and he had the band out around the pool playing, rehearsing. And I got my nose, you know, into the fence and everything. So security came and told me, hey, man, you can't do that. <laughs> and... Um, so he heard them, and he 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 saw me. And the security was running me away. He said, "No, no, 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 no! Let him come in. Let him come in." And I came in and watched these guys rehearse. That that just watch this seeing that happen. I was like, I was flabbergasted. I mean, I'm like, oh my god, look at this! James Brown was right down the street. You know, um, all of the entertainers were were right in that that little section. So I got a little taste of that. A lot of. And where were you at in your career at this point when you were staring through that fence? Still rehearsing the diplomats. Gotcha, I gotcha. Still rehearsing the diplomats. Uh, uh, so you got? I mean, you were still you were still starting out a little bit. I mean, you were in it, but you were still. Yeah, we were just starting. We yeah. were just starting out, and so you know, um, I also was in the Fatback Band. Okay. You know, uh, Bill Curtis and I, Fatback, back in the day, was a a label. It was Fatback Records. Okay. Me and Bill Curtis started that. Then it turned to to Fatback Man. So, doing that transition in Queens, you know, from the diplomats to dealing with the Fatback Man, uh, I had a real estate company. I had a nightclub called oh, Mr. Wow. C's Living Room. In New York? Yeah, right there in Queens. In Queens? Right there in Queens, where all the guys were. Yeah. You know. I, I had all of that that stuff, you know, that I just realized uh, that. How, how old were you? In my 20s. In your 20s? And you're in my running, 20s. You have real estate. I had, a, I had two real estate offices. So I you've had always a, had an entrepreneurial yeah, spirit. Yeah, you're because like, I wanted to, uh, hey, I, I could do that. <laughs> you know? Damn, I, yeah, I can do that. I mean, and you you know, the club, I said, oh, a nightclub. Yeah, I can do that. So I built this club called uh, Mr. C's Living Room uh-huh. and in it had nothing but living room furniture gotcha so, the couches and I realized that people came there they were so damn relaxed they didn't want to leave you know they were just <laughs> laid back everybody was laid back and I had a kitchen so you could cook food and all that and that was unbelievable but did you have live entertainment or is it just a lounge huh? type thing entertainment I had live entertainment downstairs and then how and did you do the booking how did you book and well I just booked mostly uh, local stuff uh-huh. you know just local bands to be in there we had problems because i mean because so many people were trying to get in we had a we had certain rules like if 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 you were in there and we know you you know you're doing the wrong thing and your wife come to the door she can't come in oh, oh okay you put the stop on because right. it was a private club you know <laughs> and and stuff like that we had the police department. They would come and see us. And next thing you know, you hear the siren outside, and they're telling the guys, come on out, man. You guys got to come out and do what you're supposed to do. It was well, like, no trouble, nothing like that. Yeah. But uh, it, it was a real, real uh, hell-fight experience. 
you start to do crazy things. Uh, I had like uh, a limo, two brand new Cadillacs, one parked on one side of the street, the other parked on the other side. Then you realize, God damn, I'm only one person. <laughs> Where, what, the, what am I doing? But I was taking people to to rent a room in a limousine. God damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you stuff go. like yeah, that. Yeah. So they like that, you know. Yeah. So I did that for a while, and then I decided to to get out of there because I was, it was just too much. Because one day I I was in the club all night. You know, you don't realize, you know, how you're burning yourself out. I walked out to go across the street to to where I live, and as I crossed the street. I realized I, that I didn't stop. I just kept on walking right out in front of the cars. Oh my God. And I said, oh, that's it. No, no, we done, we done. Cause I was just tired and didn't realize, you know, how I'd have been up two days, yeah. stuff like that. So I said, well, no. So all of those things that I'd done, all those experiences, I'm like, wow, that's that's great. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And and during this time, you weren't you weren't boozing or you weren't no, partying no, 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 no. or anything. Like no, that. no, you no, were no, just no. driven. No, no, just just go there. I you know I smoked a little weed. You know, other than that, no, because I never liked liquor. Because I mean, I see these people act so crazy yeah. with it. I, nah, I can't go there. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I I know all about it. I can't <laughs> go there. So no, that did, that was a problem, and you know we didn't have that problem in the group. So now, so forty you, years later. Well, you sold. Did you sell the club, or I mean, like, how, what did you do with the? I mean, because like you, you realize that you're like, this is just too much for me. It's just I'm, too much. It's, it was too so much. what did you do? You sell or just shut it down? Like, well, I was a real estate guy, so oh, okay. I, I, I had that 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 club in my rental uh, situation, you know. So yeah. I rented it to myself. You oh, know what I'm yeah. saying? So. So and I and I had it so every every Thursday they would bring all the tables and chairs and all the stuff. I had it set up where on come Thursday it was set up like a serious serious nightclub. Uh huh. Sunday they come picked all of that stuff up. You clean all this stuff out. So I mean, we simple say, okay, no one come. Yeah, no one come here anymore. No this is not. <laughs> so, so that real estate. Did you end up selling that real estate off, or I mean, do you still own real estate in York? No, I stopped doing all of that, man. Oh, man. I I had a couple buildings in Brooklyn. I had a couple oh, of houses. Man. Well, if you had that nowadays, like that. my god. Yeah, because I mean, you know, um, like there were people in real estate that just see me as a young guy it's like where the hell what I did was a friend of mine she was going to school to going to taking the real estate course uh, in the university out of Long Island so when I would take them there I just decided to go in and sit down in the back hmm. and that's what I did I sit down in the back so I took the whole damn course just sitting right down in the back. I'm like, oh my God. This is what, oh, this is what we, I says, these guys got a license to steal. Yeah. I says, they got a license to steal. They can steal this stuff. So people that wouldn't ordinarily been able to buy a house, I made it available that they could buy a house. Okay, that's cool. I told them, hey, you got five grand. I'll put you in a house. Yeah. 
and you do what you got to do after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I did that to quite a few people who would have never got a chance to, to buy a house. So, you know, that was a great that was a great experience. And now is this is this like mid 70s you're doing this or this, is this, this all is during like, uh, uh all uh, when I was when I did the album, that's when I decided to devote everything to the music. Okay. All before that it was like, you know. Oh, okay, okay. So you were doing this before yeah. the album came yeah, out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you yeah. just throw yourself into whatever you believe. Yeah. Is yeah, right. whatever that I wanted to do. And then after a while you you, you realize that, you know, God damn, you spent so much time doing this and your kids are getting bigger and oh, yeah. uh, so you, then you decide, well, hey, I want to be with the kids, I want to be with the grandkids so they know, because I never uh, 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 push my kids to do what I do. Yeah. I never did that. You know, I said, and they all are very talented, but I never pushed them to do what I do. Yeah. You know, I Let said it was enough. You know? <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I, well, I understand that. So that that that's that's how you know, it's been a good a real good life. Yeah. yeah. And well, you know, it was interesting before we got going because right now CNN's on your TV here, um, and you're talking about we're talking a little bit about Trump and that you were in the real estate game, and you actually ran into a Trump a few times. Many times, many times in New York. Yeah. He was just Donald Trump. Right, right, you know, not president. Little, little, little boy with a lot of money. A little boy with a lot of money. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> basically say, what that was, you, you know. And that. in New York, we hard on people like that. You know? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> what, and what were you saying about him personally? Like you were saying that he was kind of. A, <laughs> I know that. I, think he, I, I, but I you, mean, it's unbelievable just to see him doing that. Because, I mean, personally, I thought he was the dumbest guy in captivity. <laughs> I really did. He just had millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. His parents gave him millions of dollars. Right. He's a racist, you I know. And in New York, you know how that whole plays out in New York. I mean, you know, hey, a little playboy. You get, get the out of here with yeah. that you know so in new york and i what i see him doing in the white house is the same attitude he had running around the streets of new york learning it from different people in new york yeah you know he was a little guy that you know he came out and he he brought the he brought the football because he was able to buy the football he come out to the play the football yeah. and they don't let him play so he take his football and go home <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, that's Donald Trump, and that's still Donald Trump today playing oh, those games. Yeah, you know, still child. So it's 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 just crazy when I see it. You know, I tell my wife, I say, yeah, this is unbelievable. I can't believe they let this guy do this. Yeah, but then you know, you find out that he is the lionest person in the United States. Yeah. And it caused it caused the Republicans to be the same damn way. They are, you know, they're the biggest liars in captivity. Yeah, it, and they just, because of him. Yeah, and they're just like, oh, this gives us open range. Just yeah, to they just lie try to just try to lie for this guy. You, are you serious? What you gonna do when this guy leaves office? And you go and look for a job. You said, no, you wouldn't try. No, we don't want you. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that's it's amazing. I mean, he got the world turned upside down right now. Right. Uh, like he can't get any legislation passed because it's no, so outrageous. No, and like he the, can't. The saddest part about this whole situation is this next four years is going to be a waste of oh, time. Man. They're talking about middle class. Man. Middle class. Let me tell you something, man. There's no such thing as middle class in the United States. You're either rich or you're poor. 
Yeah. Some money with a million dollars is not rich. Not at all. Not yeah. no more. Nah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they're talking, oh, well, the guys that make 30, 40, 50,000, uh, this is going to be good for them. Bullshit is going to be good for them. Right. It's not going to happen and for them. And that was what was so crazy is those were the people out voting for them in droves. Well, the people that are voting for them or, you know, those that's living in back in the bushes, <laughs> they feeling like they're losing their white power. They're crazy. Yeah. Are, you, are you serious right, right. now? I say it, you probably could count real white people on one hand nowadays because it don't exist. Right, right. If you, if you look on TV, you see the commercial about uh, what your heritage was, mm -hmm. and everybody says, well, lady from America, I thought I was something else. <laughs> it's just little shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's unbelievable, yeah. man. So you worried about losing your power? I mean, ridiculous, and you 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 become racist because because of it. And when it would be so so much sweeter if you just went if you just came together on it. Yeah, you know, his biggest mistake in office was what he did with with uh, uh, with Britain just now. What he did. He he's one of that's one of America's biggest allies. He did a wrong thing with them. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, they don't even want him to come to the country. Oh, that's right, right? They like ban? Didn't they ban? Don't him or want something? him. Don't want him to come. <laughs> and that's gonna be a, with a lot of people. Yeah. All of England's friends are not gonna. They know it's a liar now. I mean, you can't keep doing the same thing, and. And it just it's do it with a straight face. Yeah, he does it with a straight face. Oh well, okay, just say stupid things. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, how he was in New York. He just say stupid things. Yo, yeah. man, what you talking about? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? That's how you would talk to him. That's how. That's, that's, that's that's amazing. How people need to talk to him. Yeah, well, now, they don't. Well, they don't. They don't. They won't, they won't do it because they're scared of their jobs. They're doing all of this. Yeah. I told them they should be pulling that bus up every time he come out. Pull that bus up and listen what he say. <laughs> that's what. That's what should happen. It, you know. But it's, it's crazy. I agree with you, man. So during the seventies, um, were you um, still involved with music, or did you start to just back away from it? And um, well, and, uh, 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 like I never stopped. Okay. I never stopped doing music. Okay, I never stopped doing music. Um, uh, uh, a couple of other guys, they did different different jobs. One would work at a college, and another one was working in schools, and. But, you know, my objective when I left home was music. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed right with that. So that sort of uh, is the reason why we're so on top of it now. Yeah. Because I never stopped doing music. So I, I, I learned a lot. Well, I mean, like, were you working as a musician during the 70s? After Skull Snaps kind of went by, after All Direction, were you still working as a, a working musician? Like, what, oh, yeah. what well, role did you have? Then I was doing, well, that's what I was doing, people like Lloyd Price. Okay. And and uh, um, playing with him. Uh -huh. I was playing percussions with Lloyd. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and singing, stuff like that. And uh, then... Um, I said the only stone that I had not unturned, I had not turned, was production. And I remember the people at Buddha, 
they, they said this to me and it, it just blew my mind. They said, if you write the song and you're a musician, then you also a producer. Because mm. you can go in and tell everybody what the hell you want them to play. Right. That makes you the producer. God, yeah. I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> and I said, okay. So then I wanted to try my hand at production. And then when the, all the electronic stuff came along, I knew my way around as a musician to know what all this instrumentation was supposed to sound like. Yeah. And man, oh, it all opened up to me. I'm like, damn, I can roll out my bed or roll off my couch and go into the studio in the corner yeah. and, and produce music that it sounds like you have 40, 50 people. Right, right. And it would take 40 or 50 people to do this. <laughs> yeah. So I got into production. I said, well, I'll keep producing until this whole thing comes full circle. And here it is. Yeah. It has come full circle. Now, um, I, I think I read somewhere that you, I don't know if you worked with LL Cool J, but you had L -L ties to cool LL Cool J. LL Cool J. He's my man. He, he, um. He, they, he he's was, up for a he's up for um, rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah, he should be. Yeah, uh, he he uh, his his grandma and where he lived lived one street behind my mom and dad. So I took my kids. They were small. And I bought them one of the big radios, you know, one of the big the uh, boomboxes. Boombox. Yeah. And uh, we went down to my mom's, and they were walking around the blocks. And Cool J approached him because he wanted to hear his cassette tape in that boombox. Oh, I got you. And the kids, it, it, he he talked the kids into letting them play it in, in the boombox. And so as he's playing and they dancing out in the street, he said, "Well, you know, my dad is is, is a music producer." What? <laughs> he came right straight to my mom's house. He meets me, and I said, "You know." Uh, he had a book, he had two books full of rhymes and thick books too. And he could rhyme every damn one of them, even though he had them written down to yeah. his book. I said, wow, man. I said, that's amazing stuff. At the time, I was producing Hassan 7-Eleven with George Kerr. I said, as soon as I finish this, I'm, I'm at you. Yeah. So uh, while I was doing it, he approached on the company because I told him, you know, keep that book under your arm. Yeah. And I said, you'll make it because they wouldn't allow him to happen in Queens. All the guys like Run DMC and all of them, yeah. they pushed him to the side. Nah, man, we don't want you in the clique. Oh, wow. Because he was good. That's that's what happened. Oh, he was too good. Yeah, he was good. So uh, they wouldn't accept him. And finally, somebody did accept him. I called his mom, and his mom said, Mr. Cully, he just called me and told me that he was approached by this company, and they want to sign him. I said, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And when he was signed, and I like one of his first big records, I went to see him. And, uh, you know, all these rappers are there, you know. So he saw me. He said, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. Hold on. He said, Mr. Cully, come here, man. Come on. Come here. And the rappers were looking at him like, Mr. Cully? <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? Yeah. He said, that's Mr. Cully right there. He had nothing but respect. His grandma was right on his case, and he's really a great guy. 
Yeah. Just a real good guy. That's why he's been so successful. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, what was was that Def Jam that signed him? What's yeah. That? Okay. And 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 uh, it, it was amazing. I said, "You're gonna go far. You're gonna go far." He said, "I'm just cut. I hope so." And sure enough, he yeah. blew up big time. You know, and uh, he deserves it. He yeah. deserves. He deserves. It. He went through. A lot of trash, you know, with uh, his peers not really want to let him in. You know, I'm like, wow. Queens, Queens was so hot. Yeah. Queens was so hot. I like, in Queens, I lived like 200 Street Little Boulevard in Queens. Okay. Uh, five blocks this way, run DMC, and it was out on the corner hanging out, and on another corner, another big time rapper. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me hanging out everybody was there everybody so uh it was a mecca of nothing but talent yeah i mean new york's always had that 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 uh, energy about it where it just cultivates some of the greatest talent in the world oh it i mean it's the there. greatest city like i love that i was just in i was just there a month ago in astoria and um I mean, like, I I just want to move there, but now everything's so crazy expensive there. I, I couldn't yeah, imagine yeah. just Not, being able back to Back then it wasn't. Right, right. It wasn't, man. You go to the store, I mean, it was all good. Uh, we used to play in um, a club called The Outfielder, which was owned by Tommy Avery and Cleon Jones from the Mets. Okay. So when we played there, all the... Baseball, football, all the athletes came to this club. Oh, right now. Everybody was there, you know, and they made us the um, musicians to be in that club all the time. We knew all the big, you know, athletes. We yeah. knew everybody. It was, it was an amazing journey, man. Amazing journey, you what, know. Well, so when did you leave New York? Well, um, um, my wife and I, did, we decided... Uh, First, we went to Connecticut. I like Connecticut because it was a little quieter. Yeah. My son decides he move out here, so we came out here. And since you've been here, have you heard one car horn blow? No, not I don't at all. Think so. It is that's why very I, quiet. That's why I like it. We're it. We're, <laughs> we're outside Cincinnati right now. In a, <laughs> yeah. In, in a, in the rural part, I, I was yeah. uh, when I was driving out here. I'm like going through all these windy parts. I yeah. was like, "Wow, this is really outside the city." But, yeah, I mean, it's outside of Cincinnati. But you could still, but you could still get to Cincinnati. In what, like twenty minutes? Twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty minutes. I could be downtown Cincinnati. Yeah, that's a so uh, it, it's it's beautiful out here. So you know, at first, me, my wife and I were thinking about when we'll go back to New York, where where my girls are at. Mm. And I said, well, maybe we'll go up in Connecticut a little ways and buy a house up there or something. And I said, but now things have changed so much. The music thing is coming back in, you know, back into to to to, to a serious situation yeah. that I got so much music that I can be really in it that's almost like the beginning you yeah, know what i'm saying oh hell i gotta okay i can't just let it just go by like that i mean i got everything i need for it you know and uh so i'm not sure we might stay here and uh i might just put a studio that's already up with in connecticut 
and just go there when I want to go there. Yeah. But really have it out here, cause man, when you don't want no, <coughs> no nonsense, this is the place to be, man. Yeah, this is quiet. You man. don't get no problems. Everything is lovely out here. You the people are lovely out here, and so <coughs> great place for my grandkids. Now, I was curious. Yeah. Um, did you? So, like, um, you've been involved in music the whole time, but did you ever take on any other jobs or any other careers um, during, like, you know, from, like, the 80s on? Well, no more than real estate and Just, club owner and all that kind yeah. of stuff. No, yeah, I did that. But, um, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I did. I was a security guard one time. <laughs> I was a security guard one time. And... I'm like, hold on, what the, how the hell did I get here? What, the, what, the security? Why would I be doing that? Is it for the money, is that what it is? Oh, why am I doing that? I'm like, and one day I just said, what are you doing? And I picked up my stuff and walked. <laughs> and the people would say, oh, oh, wait, whoa, where are you going? I said, man, I'm going home. You kidding? <laughs> I said, that's the end of this. You know, but it was a good experience, uh -huh. business-wise. Yeah. On how, actually, all of these cops own the own the, own the business, and how they were making money as as they retired as ex-police people. Yeah, they and they, they all start a security company. Yeah. I said, well, you know, I see what this is. I could do that, you know. <laughs> but then I said, well, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But yeah, I did that. And uh, I could do just about anything that I wanted to do. Anything that I wanted to take on, I took it on real quick, you know, um, and do it. And once I get it out of my system, then I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I, I told my kids, you know, uh, rather than worry about having a job, worry about giving somebody a job. Mm. Yeah. Be more there than the yeah. other way. That's that's what I'm trying to impose on my son. <laughs> that's how you do it. Me and my uh, me and my wife, we we have a company that we're still running in San Diego. Uh -huh. Um and I didn't want to give it up. I, I wanted to stay in sunny California. Yeah, you know, of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, she wants something different. So. Uh, because so, we had, like I loved it. I was a working musician out there, and we had a company, and she was just like we just need to change and she's just like let's just do a reset and, and i fought but you know it's, it's turning out to be okay i'm in toledo i'm making these new connections and i i think that's what's important is that what i took away from the experience is that you can you could now that i've got past that initial uh that initial block that everyone kind of faces when they're like trying to start a company yeah is fear yeah people fear what they don't know and, yeah, that's right. and and they fear to fail yeah and i and now that fear is gone like and i i can i see it how you see it is like i can just do whatever now yeah, it's exactly. like i'm not afraid to like go out and start over again yeah well starting over again i found this out man starting over again is the best thing that happened to you yeah because every time you start over it's much better hmm. every time every time you start off it's like uh most people when they think about buying a house they're thinking about buying it living and dying in that house yeah well no <laughs> man no 
Buy that one. Get rid of that one. Get you another one. Yeah. Experience that, you know, because you like that on. I like, you know. But do that same thing with cars. Same thing with clothes. I got so much clothes. I mean, I mean I, that's how it is. You 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 experience the experience. Yeah. Of of every little thing that you do, when you decide, you pick something that you want to really go at. All that experience kicks in. It kicks in. You say, "Well, damn." I was scared to do this. And look at this. It's right here. I know exactly what to do with this. Yeah. I know what to do with this. Your wife, and she just say, well, you know, I thought this really was going to be hard for us. And look at this. It just right. opens right up. Yeah. You see, the best thing for anybody, especially a musician, a person like yourself, small town. <laughs> small town Toledo. is where you do it. Oof. When, when you be big time, big town, big city, it's rough for you. It is. It is. It's hard to get footing. And, and in San Diego, especially because she's so many people doing the same damn thing. Exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> and, and that's what's kind of interesting about coming to, back to Toledo because I'm originally from Toledo. Our initial place was to go to Detroit, but my wife was not digging Detroit. <laughs> so so uh, we went to Toledo and like that was like, I mean... I was I was not happy about the whole situation, but as time has gone on, I've been back since the end of summer, so uh, you know, just a couple months now. Mm-hmm. But like as we're going, like we're seeing these opportunities kind of like present itself, it's right there. And like, and I was the biggest proponent. Uh, um, I was the biggest. I was the biggest uh, opposition to moving because I was comfortable, yeah. and like we weren't making a shit ton of money, but like we were getting by three blocks from the beach in San Diego, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I loved it. That's yeah. that's my shit. But like, but now I'm here and I'm seeing like in a small town, and like they don't have the options that we can present. Exactly. And like we have a uh, we have a perspective that this town hasn't seen before, and and it's starting to come together and and it's exciting, although I'm still fighting. You know, it's getting cold. Yeah, <laughs> so that's gonna happen. You go and get, <laughs> go and get your bigger coat. But, but, that's all. That's but all in San is. Diego. It's eighty degrees by Yo. the beach, and I'm sitting here like freezing my nuts off. But um, but if you as you keep going and you become successful at what you're doing, you can say, "Hey, babe, let's go to San Diego, lay on the beach for a week." Yeah, yeah. that's what is really, really nice. Yeah. That's what you can really appreciate it. See, because. If you don't do those things, if you don't travel around the world, go and see how other people live, where the hell are you going to go when you want to go somewhere? Yeah. You don't know where to go. Like, there's, I've been so many places. I've been around the world twice. So I know every place that I want to go if I want to take pick up my kids and my grandkids and say, okay, we're going to go here because I know exactly how it is unless it's made drastic changes. Right. You know, so it, 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 it's, you got to know what's going on in the world so you can use it to your advantage you know like stand on key stand on line and now i know exactly what to do with the music nobody can tell me what i can do what i can't do because i already know i done lived it yeah i done been through it you know and all of those that tried to screw me didn't do anything but make me more famous and and they tried to screw me so whatever i might want to say 
there's nobody to dispute what the hell I got to say yeah. because I lived it and I outlived your ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So that's that's where it is right now. My peers, man, I, tell you, I, I said I would always say this right here. If people look at this thing, all your black R&B singers, blues singers, and all of this, do you, do you ever stop to wonder why their, their lives ended tragically? Now, all of them have one thing in common. Once they found out their worth and they tried to go off and be their own boss, start their own label, start their own mm-hmm. studio, do all the things themselves, they ended up dead. They go from Johnny H to Prince. Mm, yeah. All of them. Just look at them. Just yeah. look at all of them. Everything was tragic. And everybody had uh, uh, something to be controlled by. Yeah. Whether it was drug or whatever the hell it was, alcohol, whatever it was, they were all. And so when I look at that, I'm like, damn, do you see this? Do you really see this? What, what has went on? It's a fact. It's a fact. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I was around when Otis Ready. They said, "Well, Otis Ready died in a plane crash that he tried to drive his own plane." Get the <laughs> fuck out of here, man! <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they didn't tell you about the two million dollars he had in the briefcase that they never saw. Oh, they didn't tell nobody about that. So all of these things, people like Sam Cooke gets killed by a a, a hotel owner. Mm. Yeah. Gotta be a setup, cause if he was, if he, was if he was with a prostitute, she done stole all his fucking money, uh-huh. and he's running trying to find her, and the person in the office is in on the whole damn scheme, and they end up killing somebody like Sam Cooke. Yeah, all of these guys, uh, all of them, all of them, man. And when I, I've been around long enough to see it happen to all of them, and uh, I can be thankful that my group. Being that we never ran with the pack, it never affected us. Yeah. And so this here in 2017 and 18 is like, it's a new day. It really is a new day. It's, it's, new day. The, it's like the beginning all over again. Yeah. You know, it came full circle. So <laughs> so um, I, when you guys, I, I understand that there's unreleased All Snap music. Isn't that correct? <laughs> right over there in that computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you guys you guys are planning on releasing something. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. I mean, they, oh, man, they've done so many things to us. Uh, we were all supposed to be dead. They all just we disbanded after that first album. Never did. Oh. And uh, uh, and as far as the diplomats concerned, well, damn man, the songs done in 1969. They gotta be dead now because they're in their seventies. Yeah, I'm in my seventies, going on twenty five. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, uh, uh. We have the music, and since the music was sort of pushed to the side, I had much as brand stuff. It's, it's, it, it is soul music, which is the hottest thing selling today. It is, and it's making such a big, big, comeback. you know, big so comeback. I, full of it, that little computer right over there, it's full of it, and I'll play something for you before you go, oh, and, and uh, it's, it's, um, it's amazing, man, that it's like that. I mean, I, all, I, can, I can only say I'm just glad that I stayed on point 
with it, you know, and uh, kept doing what I was doing. And here the time has come for us to really, really get, I mean, really get our due from it. People yeah. like uh, Wu-Tang Clan doing something, doing one of our songs, like what they did, they, you know, they actually tried to steal the damn song. You know, uh, not sample it to try to steal it. By, I mean, people say that's the first lyric in the song that they yeah. stole. People say love is just secure. That's the first word. So they named the song. People say, <laughs> I mean, how dumb is that? You know, uh, uh, and so this this was you know this was a slam dunk. You know, they can't get around that. Right. You know, we've we've uh, our attorneys have spoken to them. You know, they're not. Yeah, man, we thought we thought it was public domain. Wow. <laughs> and we thought these dudes were dead by now. But yeah. here we are. Right, right. Here we are. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm, I'm very happy for them. Yeah. You know <laughs> I'm glad they did that. Right. And uh I'll probably before this is over, we'll probably um give them some other stuff that they that they need to sample. Gotcha. Because they're not they don't have a lot laying around that they ain't done sampled already you know what i mean and killed it you know so we got a catalog full of stuff that they they did not get their hands on buster rhymes did one of our songs uh or turn the water or throw the water on them yeah that was diplomat yeah man so you know people like that and uh um Right, I, Action Bronson, have you heard of him? Yeah, Action Bronson, Action he Bronson. did it. Fat fuck from 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 Queens. He 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 did it, and and uh, he didn't pay for it. He didn't peer, He didn't yeah. clear the sample and didn't pay for it. I mean, he says it right online. Oh well, this stuff this doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the diplomat. Okay, well it belongs to the diplomat. Why the fuck don't you pay us? You know, right. rather than us go to a lawyer. And it's gonna cost you more than what you're gonna get for the lawyer to go get it. Yeah, you know that don't make sense. Yeah, now I don't know if you. I mean, like, cause I I've been listening to the Skull Snaps digitally on Spotify. Uh-huh. Um, have you guys been able to rein in any of that income? The the, well, the digital uh, streaming uh, income. Yeah, some of it. Uh, I think it's on iTunes and everything. It's uh, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. And again. Uh, there are those who are trying to to screw over us by not paying the royalties on time. I mean, we after people like like uh, at over at Sugar Hill that we we signed some contracts with, and uh, we trying to get our money just like Sugar Hill guys was trying to get their money. Yeah. I mean, uh, they these guys just they have this thing about them. Uh, <laughs> they, they got your money and they don't want to pay you. Yeah. It's just the craziest crap in the world. I said, well, you do what you got to do, but uh, sooner or later, we're going to come for you. Yeah. We're going to come for you no matter what you think. You <laughs> They're know? coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Cause, you know, and, and people like Charlie Records, all, they've been selling all of this stuff. A uh, uh, guy tried to get a, 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 a license for me. And he said Charlie Records, he had also approached Charlie Records, and they said they own Skull Snap stuff. So I just wrote my email yesterday. If Charlie Records owns Skull Slaps since the 1990s, where the fuck is Skull Snap's royalties? Right. 
Do you realize how much that would be? This is 2017. You have not paid one royalty, but you've been claiming that you own this stuff. And because you're in Europe, you know, you've been, you've been getting away with it. I said, but we're coming for your ass. So get ready, because we're going to come for you and and uh, 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 all the stuff that you've been doing. They even put out a, they have an email address, but you can't reach it from America. That doesn't make sense. Only, <laughs> but they know, yeah. they know that if, if they did, then they would probably be here from a whole lot of people here in America. But you can't, I tried to get to it. And I said, it's an invalid, invalid uh, address. I said, okay. So I took the email and sent it to my friend in in, in uh, UK. And I said, forward this to these crazy motherfuckers. They don't, they, are they serious right now? Yeah. Do they think that we don't know what they're up to? And so nobody has contacted us about it. I, you know, I just sent the email yesterday. I'm waiting to see if anybody contacted me. Well, as soon as I'm finished with uh, this Wu-Tang situation, we're going to move forward on all of that stuff. It's going to be some of the craziest stuff in the world. People are going to be like saying, what? How could this be? So have you, so, I mean, since all this sampling, have you, have you gotten any money? Like, has oh, yeah. there been money? Okay, oh, yeah. so you, oh, got, yeah. you guys collected some money. Then. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. definitely, yes. We have, uh, because people were doing commercials like Toyota yeah. and stuff like that, so very obviously they had to pay us. Yeah, yeah. You know, and people like uh, 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 the, the girl that did the sample and Alicia Keys, you can't hide that. Yeah. You know, but different little, their little third-party things that they be doing. Yeah. You, you might not know about that. You know, they're getting paid and they're not saying nothing about it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, uh, I mean, it's crazy, well, man. Well, that digital streaming thing, I know that has a lot of, like, these big, huge artists up in a, you know, in an uproar because they're getting, like, a quarter of a cent, if that, off of this is play. Is that? But, like, still, that money, because you look on Spotify, I mean, you guys are still getting, like, 100,000 listens a month because it tells you right on the thing is, like, a monthly listens. So you guys are still getting streams, so that money has to be going somewhere. Exactly. And that, and, exactly. and you're saying that's going to Sugar Hill. Records? Yeah. So what you have to do is you gotta you you in turn has to run it down and see where the money. I used to tell the guys all the time, you know, if somebody standing outside the bank when they come to bring us money, they hold the guy up. You understand? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the money never gets to us. So that's what that's been happening for years. So. My thoughts are that you do that, but sooner or later, you get caught up on it. And so when we catch up to you with it, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you whether you got it or not. You you better go somewhere and find it. So because we're going to come and get you. And that's what's going to happen in 2018. Right Every son of a bitch that took money from the diplomats and skull snaps, you're going to start getting letters from lawyers wanting it all back. Yeah, that's the I, uh, I was telling you about um, Tony Green. He's going through a similar thing because he was working. Um, you've heard Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg yeah, and all that. Yeah. He's kind of going through the same thing because he was doing a lot of the bass lines and he mm-hmm. brought in people. Mm-hmm. But, like, they never credited him. Like, you go back on those albums, yeah. you don't see his name. That's right. And a lot of the musicians weren't getting paid. So right now, his he actually hired his kids 
to go out and get i mean because like those those songs now are getting sampled by other hip-hop that's artists right. now that's right and so he's like trying to do he's in the, he's in the same situation he's like these guys yeah. are trying to play my music it's yeah. you know like just re-record the fucking thing that's yeah. what he keeps saying he's like he's like just re-record it and that way you don't have to pay right. for pay me but they don't want to do they that. Don't do that because like we were saying at the beginning you have these kids who are just button pushers. Yeah, one finger guys. One finger guys who are like, don't really know how to play guitar. Don't know yeah, really how to play exactly piano right. or drums. So they're going to go ahead and just take stuff that's already done. That's how to do it. And that's always been weird to me. Like, it, I've never been the able person, to get on that. The person who takes it upon themselves, a person like you, hmm. say, well, you know what? I'm going to take this on. I'm going to expose every living ass that has been doing what we're talking about. Yeah. That person will be one of the richest people in two years' time on the planet yeah. because you're exposing people. So if you expose somebody to me and show me where they have definitely been ripping me, I'm going to pay you too. Well, I wouldn't expect any of that, but I mean... Oh, but but, it's, but it's fair is fair, I think. But that that I think but that's how the game goes. Oh, yeah. That's how yeah. the game goes. Like... Who sampled who? They tell it all. They don't fuck around. Do you you if you do it, they do they're they're located in in the UK. Oh yeah, the website. Who yeah. sampled who? Is, yeah. is, 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 who sampled who? Uh they tell on your ass right away. Right. So right. it ain't no getting around it because they done checked it. And they'll put it right side by side. So here it is, listen. There it is. Yeah. For yourself. So that's exposing people. Yeah. You figure out, say, well, how are they making money? How are they making money? They're exposing people. Yeah. They're exposing people. Every, and I mean, on Skull Snap, 250, almost, 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 almost 500 people there have sampled us. The people. biggest names in the music business. That's crazy. That's crazy. The biggest people in the music business. So, and again, they hide behind the. You know, um, uh, uh, the the little legal thing. You know, statue of limitations. Statue of limitations. Say it's open public but domain. I, I I I thought I thought I heard at one time when somebody uses your stuff like that or samples your stuff and deliberately tries not to keep it from you, like Matrix. Matrix on none of their advertisement, on none of their albums, on none of their soundtrack. Do they mention Skull Slap? To me, that's intentionally trying to hide it from you. And back when they did it, it wasn't no damn computers to do nothing. Right. Robert Dougal, oh Dougal, he 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 just got rich off of this shit. So when you try to go after them, they try to throw little things up in your face that it was done such a long time ago. But goddamn, Matrix is on TV every month. Right. Yeah. They're constantly playing Matrix all uh, forever. So. I, I, I'm going to look deeply into what kind of litigation can happen for people like that and people like uh, the damn people over at Sugar Hill who's holding up your money and stuff like that. I mean, it's just crazy on how, how they do business. And they wonder why, you know, one day they walk outside and their car blow up. They wonder why the hell that happened. They wonder why why somebody messing with me? Cause you fucking with everybody else. Yeah, that's why. You know, I don't have no problem. You know, it's it's with 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 telling like it really is. 
and this is how it really is. You know, you rip off people. If, if they expect you to have a short life because they know you're on drugs, you're alcoholic, maybe you're gay. All these things they use against you, and you'll just fall right off the radar. Alcoholic, you fall off the radar. Drug addict, you overdose. You know, you're off the radar. So what? Most of my peers, they can't come back. The best they can do is keep replacing people and put in the groups and yeah. stuff like persuaders and stuff like that. They can't come back because they didn't have no say so in in their making. They didn't write the songs. They didn't produce them. They didn't, you know, have nothing to do with the music. All everything was brought in and put with them. Yeah. So without that, they can't come back. So they just have to stay with the old stuff. Which is crazy. Like now, even when you see these writing credits for like Beyonce, there's a whole list of people. There's like 15 people on one song, and it's yeah. like, why is there 15 people on one song when this artist is the artist? Beyonce is the one out there shaking it and like making it. You know, like well, you can't. Uh, uh, everybody can't do do this. Everybody can't create the song. And then worry about going out there on the stage to present it, yeah. you know. And, and I understand it. I get that. Like maybe she's not a writer. She's, the, she's that she's person a great singer. that, that she's can a sell great, it. Yeah, I, and I get that. But like when I look at music credits and I see fifteen people on one song, like yeah, that I mean, like I can see like two, three, four, even. But like when you see fifteen no. people, well, on there, I don't understand that. When you sit down. If you and I sit down and we come up with a lyric, say Joe Blow, you write some lyrics to Joe Blow, and I write some lyrics to Joe Blow. Yeah. My man over there, you play for my man. My man say, Yo, well, you know what? This should go in Joe Blow too. That automatically makes him a part of the the yeah. writers thing. If you say one word, two words, Got and they you. use it. You become a piece of it. Right. So you're in the room that day. Yeah. That's put him it. on the right. Yeah, you're on there. <laughs> if you say, Well, yeah, that's right, uh, put Joe Blow or uh, Joe Blow is yeah, you're part of the writer. Right. That's how it is. It's called round table uh 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 writing. I mean, uh, when I first came into the business, you could sit down and have five people sitting around the table mm. and say, This is the this is the title. Write to it now. Got, oh, okay. So, right now. That's and they just, all come up with stuff. Just for people them. who are hired to do this. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And so said, uh, this person over here said, takes it all, puts it together, and puts the song together. Gotcha. That's how you do it. And I mean, so because I do it a lot of times with the guys. I say, well, guys, this is the title. I don't pump the track up. Here's the track. Here's the title. Uh, let me hear what you got. Then when they send me what they got, then I sit down and go put it in, put it right on into the song. So, do you have a website or anything that? Yes, we do. It's 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 called Soul Music to Inspire. Soul Music to Inspire, and I'll put that in the show notes so people can click on that. And and, and Soul Music Two is it the number two or is it say Soul Music to Inspire One Situation? Okay. Soul Music to Inspire. So T O Inspire. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. I and it goes to as, 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 as dot com. That's okay. what it is. 
And um, and then you got you were saying you got some skull snap stuff coming up. And are you still playing out, or are you are you just sort of making not on music? gigs? You know, no, gig no, I'm not. I'm not interested in that. So the guys say, well, oh, what happens when this stuff to get big? I don't know, let's get big. I mean, we're interested in recording it, gotcha. not so much going out there and worrying about doing the gig and stuff like that. Yeah. If we wanted to, we could get some younger kids to go out there and work on it. If we wanted to. And and I say, you know, depending on the uh, on the on on how much money is involved, we get three go go wheelchairs and go out there and do the shit. <laughs> you know, I like it. Right, so, what what would you say to uh, any artists that are trying to come up in this in this crazy game? Um, I don't know, just words of wisdom, something to end on here. Well, if you're gonna do this, man. Don't do shit that you don't know nothing about. Do for, for Learn what this is about, what really goes on, and then you don't step in all of those holes. Yeah. And get, so it could take you a lifetime to climb out the damn hole because you don't know anything. Learn the music business. Learn what really goes on behind closed doors. So when you're behind those closed doors, you know, see, they make you think... When you go in the music business, say, man, to get up on that stage with them diamond rings on my finger and shaking my ass and them girls screaming. In the meantime, the royalties is going someplace else, and that's all you're getting. Yeah. So if you don't keep working, that goddamn new Mercedes that we put on your front of you, that new house that we put in front of you, is going to leave. Yeah. Because you're only doing them, getting them, thinking about the money that you're working for. Learn the business. Know about what your royalties are, what you can get paid for with your music. When you do that, you'll be successful. You know what I'm saying? And and, and know who to trust. The industry, major record company, they don't give a flying shit about you. Know that. You know, so you have to know what you're doing so you know how to deal with them. You know, the otherwise they'll take you to the cleaners. Yeah. And dump you out once you've done what you've done. Oh, man, you're not making no more hit records. Get your ass on out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't have time for you. Right. So learn the business before you come and jump into it. You might be talented as hell. Your talent don't mean shit unless you know what the business is. Right. You know, I learned that the hard way. There you go. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Cully, I do appreciate your time, and, and thank you for inviting me into your beautiful home here. Oh, thanks, and, man. And, um, you know, well, uh, hopefully this helps, you know, spread the message that yeah. uh, don't just take music, you know, like you got to pay for what you take. You That's know? exactly right. And um, I... I Hey, I respect that, man. I respect yeah, the hell out of it. I respect you know what, what you've done, into. you and your partners and your bandmates. So. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sam Cully, everyone. Uh, it was such an honor to meet such a huge influence on the hip-hop world he his music has influenced so many amazing artists that has just influenced me over the years and i honestly didn't know who the skull snaps were before terry cole uh, from coal mine records told me who he was and then i started looking into it it was kind of like 
the T Money Green situation. I didn't really know who he was until you start looking into it, and then you're like, oh my god, this person has influenced my life greatly. <laughs> so, um, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna listen to some songs from um, from Sam in various avenues. Um, let's see. First, we're gonna start off with. The Diplomats. Now, this is the original Diplomats. This isn't the hip hop band, uh, the Diplomats. This is this is uh, the original, and uh, <laughs> and this is the original soul of the Diplomats. And uh, this first song is called "Here's a Heart." <laughs> Here's a Heart, and that was The Diplomats. That was Sam's band, which is the same band as the Skull Snaps and the same band as the All Direction, which we're going to listen to All Direction right now. So let's listen to Soul Makusa, which is a cover of uh, a song by, I forgot who did it. Oh, my gosh. Um, Soul Makusa, uh, um, Mano de Bongo. Um, so this is their cover of Mano de Bongo's hit Soul Makosa. Makosa. Masa. 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 Masa
Okay, and now here, let's do the skull snaps. I'm just going to play back-to-back skull snaps. Um, uh, The first song is Trespassing, and then it's A New Day. I think it's called A New Day. My goodness. (laughs) I don't think it's called A Brand New Day. I think it's called It's A New Day. Um, Let me just look real quick. Yeah, It's A New Day. That's what it's called. So let's listen to Trespassing and it's a new day and we'll come back and we'll wrap up.
somebody else's property I'm just passing On somebody else's property Listen The thing you're doing, baby Ain't no kiss a wheel You keep on messing around, girl You're gonna get us both killed I'm trespassing, trespassing, baby, on somebody else's property. Ah, somebody else's property.
I love that. That is so funky. Just so you guys know, that album is available for reissue, which has been reissued correctly on vinyl and CD. I think you can get it on tape too. I just ordered a copy off of Amazon.com, which I'm happy to say. I, I was doing, I was editing the podcast. And I was like, I gotta go get this right now. Uh, so I did that. I used some Amazon money that I got for Christmas and um, I ordered me a uh, skull snaps record so you guys can get that and just know that sam will be getting his due if you order it now those uh reissues that were reissued those uh some of those original vinyls now are go from anywhere from like 200 to 800 dollars so if you guys want to get that og pressing go ahead and get yourself some um super rare anyways that will do it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed Sam Cully. It was an honor for me. I'll tell you that. Um, go ahead and write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. And you can also check out the website, WeSpeakEnglishGood.net. Um, try not to be sick, everybody. Watch your intake of the Tussin, because it does fuck you up. I am pretty lightheaded right now um being nice to your fellow human beings hjs for everybody uh bye